Hey everybody, welcome back to Sex, Drugs, and the Epigenome. We are so excited to have you back again. We are back in full swing. Dr. C's just got back from an incredible trip overseas with among among your medical, wow, I wouldn't even say medical, it's biochemistry peers. Well, I'd say it's a mix of biochemistry, immunology, uh, molecular biology, metabolism. It's all those kind of all those groups together, all focused on the same thing. And it's figuring stuff out, right? It's figuring out what's, where's the next play in improving cell function and, and understanding more about communication, really. It's, it's great having all these groups together now where we're talking more, um, you know, where immunologists are talking to metabolism peeps. It's like, it's a big step. It's a huge step actually. And, and we need more of it because it's how we keep learning uh, and making these, these therapies and and things translate into more effective uh, possibilities for patients. I think that next part, that that second part that you mentioned, the possibilities for patients, is really what where where Dr. Steves, I see you stepping in on as one of the big spearheaders because these folks are are research and you've always been about bridging that gap. And finally, I get to see it happen. It was a great thing to see. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's just great being able to take some of the concepts and and then discuss also with them like. Like, as you heard, you know, we're going to try to work with some of these labs around the world and in working and focusing on mechanisms and looking at what we can do to improve, you know, T-reg cell function and B-reg cell function, things that are very important in, in maintaining the health of the cell so that metabolism can be at its maximal and we're because we're finding out the immune system has a great deal of influence on metabolism and metabolism has a great deal of influence on the immune system. And those two combined is really where I think we're all the future of, of where we're going with, um, with figuring things out because it's, it's just so interesting to hear the metabolism people say, well, I just need to know more immunology. And the immunologist saying, I need to know more about metabolism and physiology and molecular biology. And it's so great because that's where we are in cellular medicine. We're in the middle, you know, we're on both sides. And, and so it's, it's kind of nice being that in that place where we can really talk and come up with um, some new thoughts and some new approaches and, um, it was, it was wonderful to be able to talk about senescence quite a bit there, which was a big part of the metabolism meeting in Portugal. It didn't carry over as much into the immunology meeting, but it was important to bring up and discuss. Um, so, you know, as you saw, it was uh, a ton of information and it just uh, continues to get me excited for the things we're doing with all our, our practitioners and, and trying to, to get them uh, to a, a better place of, of uh, understanding what we're doing in, in, in making things better for patients and, and working with these peptides and small molecules and, and, and exercise and diet and nutrition and putting it all together that makes sense in, in uh, improving cell function for patients. Well, it's, 
gosh, all of this is going to translate to what's up and coming in, in medicine, Doc. I have zero doubt of that. Before we get started on today's podcast episode, Doc, a couple of announcements for our listeners. First mm-hmm. is the Peptide World Congress 2022. It is right around the corner in October 21st to the 22nd in Las Vegas at the Four Seasons Las Vegas. Gorgeous property. That's happening. Tickets are still on sale. If you go to ssrpinstitute.org slash PWC, I believe we still have our early bird discount happening over there. So go check that out. Um, It is open to everybody, both practitioners and health enthusiasts alike. If you are interested in something else, right? You're interested in taking control of your own health, learning more to what it is to be actually healthy and optimized, taking that one step further. It goes beyond biohacking. It goes beyond all that. It's understanding yourselves. And that's, I'm so excited for Dr. Seeds. He's speaking on four major topics. And if you go to the website, um, ssrpinstitute.org slash PWC, you will see all of the agenda. Oh my gosh, we have we, that agenda. It took Doc about a good three weeks to confirm. And we scratched off ideas, discussed new ideas, and you see Dr. Seeds' brain at work in that agenda. So please do check that out. It covers just about everything that's in that, that keeps you going. So please do check that out. Cellular Medicine Mastermind. Um, this is more geared towards practitioners, and that is happening December 2nd through the 3rd. Jackson Hole is all sold out. However, we do have lots of room to join us virtually, and we do a really good program of that kind of hybrid event. So please do join us for that. That's um, December 2nd through the 3rd at the end of the year. Join us virtually because Dr. Seeds also caters to all of your virtual questions while he is lecturing in person. And by the way, a quick thank you to all of the folks who listened on the last episode. We got a ton of your questions for stem cells, and we're gathering them all up for the next episode, the part two of your stem cells at work based upon your questions that you sent us. So keep them coming. And that goes for this episode as well. If you have any on today's episode, feel free to email us at info at seeds.md that is info at s-e-e-d-s dot m-d m as in mary d as in uh, dog and everything that you hear and see today last thing before we get started dog i promise uh, is is for educational purposes only please do always consult with your physician before moving forward with the things that you hear today that said doc today's episode super super excited because it's all about the weight loss and uh, Doc, in the in the what five six years that we've we've known each other, you've seen me balloon and come back down. Um, I just want to say that I we did it the hard way, and we did it the Doctor Seeds way. And I, everyone needs to know that there is a Doctor Seeds way. And not only can I say that it's easier, but it's healthier and uh, <laughs> much faster. I can say that as a patient, but. I just wanted to describe how after going through weight, major weight losses in both aspects of just pure diet and nutrition and exercise versus the Dr. Seeds way, I would, the Dr. Seeds way is not only more attainable, but it is more manageable and it became a lifestyle choice. And now you've turned me into a zealot. I train for the first time in a long time. And this is because of 
what Dr. Seeds has done, not only for my personal life, but also what he's done for all of his patients. So this is about that, all about the, the weight loss that happens to be a second effect of the GLP-1 agonist. So doc, can we start there? What is a GLP-1 agonist? And if you could keep it as simple as you can for our non-practitioner audience, that would be much appreciated. Yeah. So very proud of you, Karen, with what you've been able to do with your through your own volition of improving your own health. Um, Never did I once tell you you had to do anything. Never did I ever say, Karen, this is the route you need to take you. I think it was a slow progression of you just absorbing and, you know, being there at these meetings and understanding what we were discussing and, Hey, can you really do this doc? Is there a way? And you just slowly took the steps to kind of combining nutrition and exercise and peptides, small molecules, things you could do to efficiently and appropriately set yourself up for the rest of your life to win. And that's the key here. It's not, you know, it's not shortcuts. It's making this work so that you're doing the healthiest thing for yourself. And that is, brings us to these GLP-1 receptor agonists, which are, it's there, it's a, it's an abbreviation for glucagon-like, it's a glucagon-like peptide one is what it's called, but we call them GLP-1 receptor agonists. And because they're similar, they're peptides that are made that you make, actually, you make these in your small intestine and it's a response to food. So when you eat and the food starts, gets through the, uh, the gut, it's sensed by these L cells in the small intestine and this GLP-1 is released in the small intestine and its job is basically to, it basically slows the gut down a little bit in letting food move through. So glucose isn't absorbed as fast and it improves insulin uh, secretion and, and, and it has many, many other efficiencies it adds to improving cell function. So understanding that, as we have talked about with uh, peptides and small molecules, the focus of peptides has always been, why don't we look at what's working in the human body and what works efficiently? And let's see if that's something we can mimic or copy to add to improving cell function, basically when we have problems with our own aspects of cell efficiency, are there ways to work in pathways with these peptides? And in particular, this GLP-1 receptor agonist has become so popular um, and it's FDA approved, um, utilized for type two diabetes. It started as a second option to other uh, diabetic medications, and now it's become so popular, it's a primary choice. And in fact, it's um, they've just given a new designation to it as officially as a, and named it another, there's another name for the peptide, but it's pretty much the same thing. Um, uh, but it's uh, now a weight loss. It has its own specific category as a weight loss peptide. And, and this is a place where big pharma has gotten it right because they've gone down this avenue of looking at peptides. 
Uh, it's in looking at the at what these peptides, you know, what, not only what they do in improving um, the function of a cell that is potentially insulin resistant, like in, in the pancreas or improving fat loss for those people that are diabetic, but it's going much further in respecting the science behind this peptide. And I don't know where you want me to go with that, but the bottom line is this is a peptide that started out, actually it, the original work in studying this peptide was focused on neurodegenerative disease. And that was a place that was where we, they, we saw great promise with these GLP-1 receptor agonists because they had a place of improving cell efficiency in working on things that are important in uh, problems in neurodegenerative disease, like words we call autophagy and mitophagy, which is all about cleaning up cells and preparing them to be more efficient. And those are problems we have in dementia and neurodegenerative diseases that we have very few alternatives in, in, in looking at how we can improve those. Well, it started out in that world, looking at Parkinson's and dementia and, and so forth. And lo and behold, they found that these patients that they were seeing improvements with, we were also seeing improvements in their uh, insulin sensitivity and improving uh, uh, glucose uptake and and that became a very, and weight loss. And that really took the big pharma to another level of like, oh my gosh, we could hit, we could see so many more people in this realm of diabetes. Maybe this is where we need to focus. And so then that kind of became the primary focus at the time. And it turned into a tremendous, I just think it, 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 it really has made a significant significant, significant improvement finally in working on improving diabetic care, where we can actually start looking at potentially making changes that will affect cells, not just by giving people insulin and things that to improve their glucose uptake, but actually changing the phenotype, meaning the genetic, the epigenetic change that happens when somebody becomes uh, it gets into that process of type two diabetes. But that being said, in learning all these great things about this peptide and what it's done for diabetes, we can make, we can really kind of look at and make some, some further assumptions that if we're improving cell efficiency, if we're improving the utilization of glucose, if we're improving insulin sensitivity, and potentially then improving what we call lipotoxicity or, or decreasing fat mass. Well, where is that place then? Where does that sit for people who are just maybe not diabetic or that are just, that are overweight and looking for a way to lose weight where they haven't, everything else kind of works in a short term or has, they haven't really found that those steps that have, have made those changes. Well, you've seen what we've, we've done in our, in our practice over the years. And, and all of this that I talked about five years ago, I said, I told everybody, this is where this is going. I said, this is where it needs to be because it's the right way 
if you know how to use these appropriately and and to do all the the work you know to evaluate the right the patients to make sure they're appropriate for the use of these peptides and monitor them this is an incredible way to improve efficiencies like you like you're utilizing with diet and exercise and then to mix those in and it's just been phenomenal i think what we've and and you uh, in particular uh, look at you look at what you've done with your body and all the people you've influenced in your life look at all the people that are now following in your footsteps and how you've influenced their ability to not just lose weight efficiently but to lose weight and improve all of those. What people don't realize is when you're overweight, you're also affecting your immune system. You're affecting the efficiency of the cell. You're, you're, um, we can even go as far as saying how we're depending on the steps you take in, in what you utilize as your GLP-1 receptor agonist, you're, we're seeing improved lipid profiles now which is even a bigger step of improving lipid profiles, uh, which has even more dramatic effects. And, and we know with type two diabetes, we're improving cardiovascular risks and mortality. And, and so it just keeps going where we're getting incredible data on improving morbidity, mortality and cardiovascular risks and reversing atherosclerosis, things that, we never could do effectively. And I think with minimal side effects and in, in particular, minimal downsides to where you had bigger risks and upsides with some of the uh, problems people were getting into. And, but now that we have this alternative to help people that are a little healthier, but are you you can so what people don't realize is you can have people that are overweight that aren't diabetic but definitely have issues in trying to lose weight and this peptide is just it, it's incredible of, of how many different effects it has in how it regulates um, and works on metabolism. And then the effects it has on the immune system. And I could go on and on about that. And you know, I'm writing quite a bit about that right now. Um, and where I think this is uh, one of the master peptides that, you know, if there was one peptide somebody had to utilize and based on finances and so forth, this could be the one peptide that has many, many beneficial effects. Um, in helping to get people to where they can be more self-reliant on exercise and nutrition eventually, or it can be a part of that, of that course of, uh, you know, a continued course of treatment also um, for its benefits uh, cognitively for the brain, for its benefits on muscle, its benefits on fat, its benefits for the heart, its benefits for the liver, its benefits uh, the GI tract and its benefits for the kidney. Um, incredible when you think about this and, and it fits in so many compartments and it can be utilized with other modalities of treatment, which is really, I think makes this even a bigger game player um, when you're looking at diseases and um, uh, 
especially immune issues and, and things like that, that we are just beginning to appreciate, I believe, you know, with this peptide. You just answered my next question, which was, there are so many pleiotropic effects to GLP-1 receptor agonists that I would, you just named a few, but I would love, uh, and, I've, and I've seen you also prescribe this to pain, people that have pain issues, mm-hmm. which is crazy to me. And I love it in a crazy in a good way. It's just this one peptide that has so many benefits. And you, again, you named off quite a few there, but if you could be more specific and of course, to that pain thing, that would be great. Well, so if we're, I, without getting too sciencey here, it's a, it, this is a peptide that has exercise mimetic type of influences, meaning we try to, with some of these peptides or, or with exercise, exercise has, you know, so many tremendous benefits in what it can do to influence the efficiencies of the cell, the efficiencies of the mitochondria how the mitochondria and the nucleus in the cell communicate, how they communicate with the immune system and how they all work together to keep you healthy and to keep you adapting to environment and adapting to exercise and and adapting to stress. That's the key to an efficient system is where communication works and you can adapt adapting is everything. And so with, if you can imagine, uh, um, so if, if we're talking about pain, for instance, we know that the immune system is significantly involved in, in pain in, and there are inflammatory mediators that are what we call pro-inflammatory that increase the activation of something called in, in specific immune cells that activate things called inflammasomes. And inflammasomes are, are the sensors that are, uh, they're in specifically more, more of what, for instance, like you saw this whole last week in uh, Sweden or Switzerland, I'm sorry, were discussions on NLRP3 inflammasomes. There's like six, seven different inflammasomes, but the NLRP3s are more specific to like diabetes and immune issues and viral issues. And, and they're involved in pain because they set up this process of where they accept messaging that can go awry, like in pain, where certain messaging just continues to signal a cell that could be a macrophage or a microglial cell in the brain or an astrocyte or things that are in the spinal cord like that, that are immune cells that can influence pain signaling, they're pro-inflammatory. And so GLP-1 receptor agonists, what they do is they work through improving something called AMPK and AMPK can work through improving mitochondrial function, proton motive forces that improve ATP production and that influence these certain genes and and, um, other transcription factors that just make cells more efficient and they stop that pro-inflammatory state. They kind of turn off something called mTOR, which 
is what pushes senescence. And we've talked about senescence forever where senescence is a bad thing and it, it needs mTOR to continue to produce these, these senescence associated secretory phenotypes, which are all about producing just pro-inflammatory states. So generally what I'm trying to say is that these GLP-1 receptors, they create an environment that is anti-inflammatory and not pro-inflammatory. And they are actually, they turn off inflammasomes. They turn them off and inflammasomes are big for inducing uh, the transcription of interleukin um, 1b or transcribing this nuclear uh, transcript, this nuclear factor kappa B, which transcribes interleukin 1b. And interleukin 1b is this interleukin that has such an effect on things like pro-inflammatory effects on like beta cells in the pancreas of inducing pro-inflammatory states and killing off beta cells, basically. So that's why all there, there've been um, many ways of looking at how to reduce interleukin 1b. And this is specifically a way by turning off the inflammasome, but this interleukin 1b plays a big role in pain also. So, and tumor necrosis, factor alpha that's produced is an, uh, is uh, also something that is reduced if you reduce inflammasome production. So it's kind of, it's really interesting to see where, again, how night, how closely knit the immune system is with metabolism and how they all have a factor in, in regulating pain and regulating the immune system. So specifically, it's a way of just making the cell more efficient and working against these senescent cells that are cells that just become bad players, basically, depending on where they are. And they send out pro-inflammatory signaling that works against, really against turning off pain. And it's a mechanism that... um, where we can effectively have another another way at making cells efficient when you're looking at treating pain. And you've seen me integrate that in um, into certain patients that where I know they're in an inflammatory state, because unfortunately, when you gain weight and you're making, you're storing more fat and you're, you're setting yourself up for actually making the cell less efficient. You're changing proton motor forces in the mitochondria. You're changing the signaling of the mitochondria to the nucleus. You're increasing these reactive oxygen species and these, these reactive oxygen species and that influence bad things in the cell that lead to more problems of where the cell has to start making up for these problems and makes it harder for the cell to become to be efficient and utilize the nutrition that you give the cell. And that sets you up for these problems with pain, problems with the immune system. It just depends on how these effects manifest themselves. And it, it can be in the brain, it can be in the kidney, it can be in the liver, you know, it can be fatty liver problems. It can be kidney, uh, it could be, uh, uh, acute kidney disease. It can be 
neurodegenerative problems. It can be muscle problems. Um, so it's just amazing where we can go with just taking, just understanding some of these, again, signaling agents that you make that work very well in your body that has specific functions. And all we're doing is introducing that where, where that's been maybe turned down because of an abuse of, of food or toxicities of food um, that have created a, a glucotoxicity and a lipotoxicity, which is just about more fat and more inflammation. And that inflammation isn't being controlled. So these GLP-1s set up a these pathways where AMPK activation, inflammasome uh, control, all these things can be significant influencers on decreasing the influence of this pro-inflammatory state and making, putting it, uh, putting it, uh, you could almost say like GLP-1s are, are like significant antioxidants. They're anti-inflammatories agents that, that work in this fashion. But again, they have so many different ways they work and, um, and, and different pathways in how they work through AMPK signaling and through the work of how they influence the inflammasome and so forth. So I hope I didn't get too technical there, but it was just its job in pain um, definitely has uh, a place as it does, I think, in many, many other circumstances of disease states. Because, Because why? Because it works on this AMPK activation. And AMPK activation is all about what exercise is. Exercise is all about influencing AMPK because there is there's this balance of AMPK and mTOR. And these two are kind of the determinants of a cell um, being efficient or a cell being over, let's say over-efficient, over-achiever, like burning itself out basically. And that's based on those two concepts. And I, I know there's a, those are some big words, but it, it just basically means that these GLP-1 receptors are a wonderful way to influence the appropriate cell function so the cell can make decisions. Remember, we're always talking about how the cell is the ultimate brain in understanding how to use all of these agents because the cell knows what it needs. It knows when it needs it. It knows how to utilize it. And in particular, you want the cell to be able to decide when on how it utilizes its energy and where it needs to utilize it. And these GLP-1s assist that cell in becoming more efficient again and being able to oxidize fat better and manipulate and use fat as an energy source and to use glucose when it needs to and to also to uh, improve well I, I think that's enough yeah I, I think I, I think I've gotten around most of the it does a lot <laughs> it sounds like doc that weight loss is just a really happy side effect it's a Weight loss. So, so what I'm trying to say, it, that's a great way to look at this, Karen. 
weight gain is just inefficiencies. You've, you've over, when you gained weight, unfortunately, and it can happen for many reasons, it's just, you've gotten to where the cell is now inefficiently using energy. And, and actually you've, we've, you've added too much to the system and the system has made its adjustments to to adapt. It's storing all of that excess food in fat. But as it does that, storing that fat, it sets up the body to increase into a more inflammatory state, basically. That's the best way for people, I think, to look at it. And all we're doing with the GLP-1 receptors is we're, we're utilizing that fat mass now as an energy source for the body that the body wasn't using before. So that fat, because it has to go somewhere, that fat is going to start to be utilized by the body as its primary energy source. And by doing that, the cell becomes more efficient and the cell starts making other signaling agents that are very important for the brain, that are important for muscle, that are important for the kidney, that are important for the liver that are important for the heart. And that's, they're all working together to stop atherosclerosis of the heart, to improve uh, the tensile aspects of the vessels and improving hypertension, to work on muscle in reducing the loss of muscles. So sarcopenia to improve bone. Um, I mean, there's, I could just keep going on and on. It's just incredible because it works on some simple concepts of making the cell more efficient and utilizing all of this extra excess energy that you have sitting around that you're not using, it starts relying on that to reduce that fat mass basically. And it works, it works very effectively. So not only are you losing weight, you are also doing wonderful investments for your future. Well, you're, you're setting your cells up to be more efficient now when you put those nutrients in your body, because again, your cell, your body doesn't see food. It sees fatty acids. It sees amino acids as proteins and it sees glucose as carbohydrates. That's what it sees. And it, and it, it utilizes all of those depending on what the cell function and demands are. And it has to be able to move around. It has to be able to be flexible. Well, you've lost that flexibility when you've, when you become obese or gained weight, you, you, you lose efficiencies. All we're doing is we're giving you a process of gaining efficiencies back. And what I think people need to realize is it's not, you're allowed, this is something you're allowed to have. These are your, this is your body's way of signaling to, and you've just lost it. And all we're doing is just bringing that back and giving you the ability to utilize, again, these signaling agents to make the system work for you again. And, you know, there are some intricacies of using these and and helping people understand the importance of that um, and what you need to do to maintain people on these. So you have to work with your doc closely and in, in, uh, so they can follow these parameters and make sure you're using the, these things appropriately. But I think there's a, a, a tremendous 
there's a big stage here for this peptide now. And as I talked about it six years ago, when everybody didn't want to talk about these, I said, this was the peptide coming and it's here and it has far more reaching possibilities than we even knew before. Now that all the research continues to come out Mm -hmm. on now, um, treating the potential of treating diseases that we never looked at this. Uh, we, we never saw this. I think we saw the potential, but it was never, we didn't have the research behind it to utilize and saying, Hey, this is a potential possibility for improving fatty liver disease, uh, NASH and NAFTA, or I'm sorry, uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease or NASH non-alcoholic, um, uh, steatitosis. So I, I think those are some really big players in, in liver problems. I mean, cause right now, my gosh, here it's, I think it's, I think it's now in the U S one 25% of the population has fatty liver disease. That's insane. That shouldn't be possible, but it is. And, and, and that's a big problem. So I think we've got some really, and, and, and I'm going to tell you my, the, the, the most impressed I've been with this peptide is how it gets people to a place where they're more confident about their health and they want to do more because that's what I'm all about, right? It's not just, Hey, take this and do this and I'll see you later. It's about, it's changing your lifestyle. It's convincing you that there's a lot more than just one piece of the puzzle. And this has been, as you've seen, Karen, get so many of our patients engaged when we can show them, hey, we can help you with your weight loss, but it's going to do a lot more than that. It's going to get you more engaged in what can you do for your health. And that's getting you more involved in exercise. It's getting you more interested in your diet and in what you put in your body and understanding that you can gain control again. I mean, how many people thought they could never do that at, at, you know, getting into their late forties and fifties and sixties and even older in their seventies, if they're as active people, they never thought they could come back. And, and we've, we've been able to show them a way that it's very possible if it's done correctly and, um, and having the right discussions and expectations with your patients, you know, uh, I think that's been the most amazing thing to see is to see those people like yourself and the influence you have on so many other people. I mean, it's why we can't, unfortunately, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, we just can't take care of everybody. And, and that, but that's why we have our society. That's why we refer people everywhere. And because there are many doctors doing this, there are many doctors out there that, that are in this side of medicine that understand the importance of cellular efficiency, prevention of disease and guiding people toward a a healthier lifestyle. And I think this is, um, this is definitely a direction to take is taking a look at these and considering the importance of what these can add to improving, um, and setting people up for success um, with their health and, and understanding there are things you have to do, you know, the proper blood tests and evaluations you need to take and talking to people about the potential side effects and 
and some of the issues, uh, especially if you're, you're working with diabetic patients, um, when and how you can use these to improve their diabetes, which is again, changed the world of diabetes too. So I just think it's a, it's an incredible place to be now to be in cellular medicine where all of this is now it's coming. All of this understanding pathways is becoming the important aspect of helping patients because you know where and when and how to utilize these. And again, to take these to the next step. This is, this is what I love about your recommendations, doc. You're not just giving me what I want to achieve, right? It's not just the way less you're thinking about it from that pathway aspect of, is it going to help me in the long term? And that's what I love about this. And can we shift gears a little bit and talk about some of these other, you know, drugs out there that are being touted as the miracle drug for weight loss, in particular metformin, which is a little bit of a racy topic. And if you can't say certain things, we certainly understand that. But I have been, while Googling this episode about GLP-1 receptor agonists and these peptides, I have just been targeted by all of these Instagram ads and these Facebook ads about, you want to lose weight? Join this. And I look and all it is, is a questionnaire that will get me a prescription for metformin. I, I kid you not, I got targeted about seven times, seven different companies doing that. And I've been fortunate enough just to be around what you're um, you know, teaching other physicians in the, the cellular medicine way, but this is not really the best way to go. Um, there have been some studies that you mentioned in some of your other courses, and I think people have the right to know that. I think that the, these ads are very misleading and could potentially be very harmful. Well, I mean, you, you know, this is where it comes down to the consumer just having to be smart enough about being pitched drugs. I mean, you know, that you need to have these have to be discussions with your physicians. There are places for all of these. Uh, metformin has a place in certain realms of, of treatment. It's it's less expensive, but there, you know, does it have the does it have the influences um, that we're talking about? We're, we're talking about a whole different level here um, in cell efficiency and metformin is a small molecule. It's not a peptide. Your body doesn't make metformin. Metformin is something that is a small molecule that is used to actually cause some inefficiencies in the mitochondria to fool it into upregulating and then activating and doing some things. So there are some places for that. There are some places to be utilizing metformin. And, and I have, it's just something that I, I personally don't, I don't need to use much or at all because I have more efficient ways to work on improving cell function. That's no downside to people that are still, that are using it. Um, but there are a lot of, you know, there's a lot more coming out about the utilization of, of metformin. But, but again, that's a decision between the doctor and, and the patient. Um, and it's, but you're not going to see, you're not going to see anything close to weight loss control. Like you see with these peptides it doesn't come close and it, it never will. And you always have to be, have the concerns about hypoglycemia uh, when you use metformin. And there are other things that are, uh, that need to be considered too with the use of metformin, uh, especially in the male population looking for, uh, 
looking to have children, um, you know, there's some significant uh, research that's just recently come out looking at the potential in uh, problems with offspring that uh, where the male has been utilizing um, a metformin and the teratologic issues that could, can occur. So those are real things that people have to consider. But again, those are discussions you have with your patients. And uh, it's just doesn't, it, it just metformin is another player. It's another piece of the puzzle and it has its uses. But in this realm of specifically of fat loss and efficiencies and what we're trying to do, um, it doesn't come close. And that's from looking again at, at all of the pleiotropic effects that we discussed and, and it's issues in immune modulation that I think are very significant in looking at these pathways. Now, again, and I don't want you, you brought this up, so I don't want to, I want to make this clear. It is a useful drug that is all on its discretion of the physician that you're working with. My opinion is just, there's, there are many other small uh, molecules more specific to peptides that I think are more specific and that have better utilization of improving these efficiencies with not uh, with avoiding the downsides. I think of other small molecules and problems that where you can get into potentially have the ability to get into issues with. But do I use metformin? Yeah, I have patients that are metformin that that um, that potentially have been on it before, or it can be, you know, a first line approach. But if we look at the science and we look at the efficiencies of these, of what these, for instance, these peptides, uh, GLP-1 receptor agonists, and some of these other molecules that are coming up now that are working in the same realm of, of more efficient influence on cell function, it's where the it's where everything's going right now with what we're finding is having a more impactful influence on mitochondrial function, proton motive forces, uh, immune regulation. Those are the important things that I think and, and that mean the most to us. Um, and in regulating T cell function and interleukin function, interferons and B cells and T cells. I, it, it's that influence. And for instance, like just a simple thing, you you can improve GLP-1 receptor agonists have the ability to improve the mass of the beta cell, like improve beta cell function when it's dysfunctional and therefore implying that we can improve and, and potentially bring back beta cell function, which is all about disease of the uh, pancreatic beta cells that are releasing insulin. Metformin can't do that. It doesn't come close to doing that. So it's just the degree of how these work. And and so they all have a place. Again, that's why you have this discussion with your physician. And and we all have have reasoning for why we like to use and utilize some of these or all of these um, in different ways. And I think the other... The other issue with this is the influence on now that we're seeing on lipids and lipid, uh, 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 you know, it used to be that just statins were 
the only thing that really could control lipids or or other other uh, small molecules that could influence lipid metabolism. Well, we're finding out now that especially moving over to semiglutide as a particular GLP-1 receptor agonist and at different dosing, we're now influencing lipid metabolism. That's huge. So you just can't compare them. They just don't come close to each other because you're affecting so many different aspects of metabolism and lipids uh, in particular, which is the newer category of where we're, we're defining improvements in triglycerides and cholesterol and LDLs. We're not seeing rises in HDLs, but we're seeing those other ones improve and even in particle size, which is important. So we're getting more and more of that data out now. You can't say any of that with metformin. So there, it's a shame when these companies are just throwing things out at people to sell them um, when this really needs to be a discussion with your physician or your, your, you know, your medical provider to, mm-hmm. who can put these things together and put the, the, the plan together for that patient and not just throw you a drug and say, Hey, take this because this is what's going to do it for you. That's just not right. Yeah. And that was, it was just a little scary how, easy it is and how convincing the ads were. And had I not known Dr. Seeds, I might have done it. Right. So that's what, what I was just shedding some light on. So we could take, I could take anybody side by side and you could go metformin and any of these GLPs and you, you're, it's a no brainer here where you're going to go with improving cell function. It's a no brainer. That's huge. So doc, Last question for you. Any new things, other things that you're excited about coming down the line with these GLP-1 agonists? Because it sounds like there's a lot happening here. We'd love to know if there's something new. Absolutely. I think it's all in, I do think in senescence and in, I think in later in life, we're going to see how, what a significant influence these GLP-1s have like I said, it's this combination of all of these things it can do and in, in, in how many places it can work. And the key, I believe, is, in, is what I've written about in my book and what I've discussed about in masterminds and in talking about this influence on senescence and how senescence is a player in tumors, how senescence is a player in aging and how senescence is a player in inflammation and and how we need to do a better job in controlling it and this is a peptide that has an absolute influence on senescence in decreasing senescence influencing that secretory phenotype and actually working better in immune diseases i think that's where we're going to see more of these glp1s um, utilized and also in neurodegenerative diseases um, like parkinson's i think because of its influence on autophagy and mitophagy. And um, so, I mean, it, it, any place that you can improve this relationship between AMPK and mTOR and having real influences, that's where I see the importance. And, and uh, you know, I think that's even, we have to think about all of these things even more importantly now after being hit with these, you know, the coronavirus and how, we're paying more attention to health and, and being prepared 
more prepared for when our bodies are going to be insulted with infections, with these type of uh, influences that absolutely you want your cells ready and you know that you want them to adapt to this viral insult. That's what the immune system and metabolism are all about. Um, when they're functioning at their, it's why people, it's a difference of why people can get past a viral insult because they can adapt to it and they can respond to it and, and set themselves up to win in the future by being, uh, by the cell up, uh, uh, taking the next step and being ready for the next insult from that virus again, if it hits or, it's what's made the difference for people with, you know, with this, uh, with uh, COVID and the healthier people are, there's no doubt. Those are the people that have been able to weather the storm and be more prepared when it hits again. And that's, it'll always be that way. Um, and so that's why I think people have to be thinking more about what they can do to influence cell efficiency, their immune system, where everything's communicating at its best. And I think that's why we're, we've been so successful with preparing our patients and our patients that have, have gotten to that state of where we've been able to keep them under control. Um, I think it's been very apparent and it's what's, I have to say, it's what's led to an incredible uh, surge of information people have been seeking about cellular medicine and, and wow, what can I do to make myself better? What are there, do these things really exist out there? And the answer is absolutely. Fantastic. Well, Doc, thank you so much for this very, at times, diplomatic, but also incredibly helpful information. I am for sure going to be Googling more about this AMPK mTOR, and I'm not even sure that I'm going to understand it, but that was such a cool way to be describing what you're looking for as your top goals. And also, I loved how you described your body doesn't know foods. It knows these fatty acids and chemicals that food is made out of. Um, never thought of it that way. This is the first time I'm thinking about it that way. And that's, that's a really cool way to be thinking about things. And it makes sense why the biochemistry is so important. You, the, well, the cell needs flexibility. It needs, it's why it, it's how it adapts. It needs to utilize glucose right away when it can, it needs to use fatty acids, it needs to use proteins when it can as food sources and for energy, it's all comes down to energy and energy demands and doing it efficiently. When things aren't working efficiently, then that's when you have these electrons and that start popping out and causing problems in the cell system. And this is where all the, uh, where you got to know your pathways and you got to understand why these things happen and, and you can work on improving them. And that's what we do. So it's, I think it is a great time in medicine. It's so exciting. And just to see like we were just where we came from back from Switzerland to be involved in, in communicating and working with all these great labs around the world and know what we're doing in cell medicine as physicians, everybody wants to collaborate. And that's what's so it's so inspiring because everybody wants to talk and, and we're bringing together something that is really bigger than I can even see. I, I, I think it's much bigger than I realize right now. Um, all I know is we're just going to keep driving the message home 
bringing this to our practitioners and and our patients and letting letting outcomes decide everything we would not be here if there were not if there were not all of these positive outcomes we would not be here talking today if you didn't have all of these people that were out there saying my gosh i didn't know this existed i didn't know this this could change my life like it has why don't more people know about this well it's because it's in its infancy and and we're educating and we're learning and we're we're just we've just gotten started so that's what makes it so exciting and and setting examples like you are Karen like you've set examples for your friends and your family and shown what you've done with your your own body just like Madison you know things that she's done um things like uh, who else on our team uh Mike and uh Minji and Tim I mean look at them they've all become and and uh Justin you know, with the guns. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible to it. You don't know how hum, it, humbling it is to see all this and to, to see this influence because this is what's going to change. This is what's going to change the world is people becoming interested in their healthcare and knowing they can do something about it. So very exciting. It's no wonder, Doc, that you've been invited as one of the keynotes at the Diabetes and Metabolism Conference in October. Um, You are speaking there all about this topic, I believe, and really exciting uh, to be again amongst these scientists as well as MDs. But that's going to that's a practitioner audience that you're going to be teaching on this topic. And it's still so new to them, too. So. This is right way ahead of the curve. <laughs> well, I think more people are demanding that, especially the physicians are just demanding to know more about the mechanisms because the more they understand about the mechanisms, the, the more utilization they're going to be able to realize that they can get out of some of these protocols of using GLP-1s with, with again, other molecules. Um, that's where you're going to go. You know, it's just not going to be one molecule, but I'm going to tell you the GLP ones are just incredible in what their purpose is and and what we're seeing again in all realms of healthcare. So that's what just makes it exciting, Karen. And it's and and to see these changes so that are so dramatic, and you know you're making people healthier. That's the best. That's the best. That's the Dr. Seeds criteria, everyone. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Dr. Seeds. This is such a great episode. And again, weight loss being a happy side effect. It's all about the health at the end of the day. So folks, we will be back next uh, in two weeks with our next episode with Dr. Seeds. Keep your questions coming. Info at seeds.md. Also, make sure you sign up for Peptide World Congress happening October 21st to the 22nd. And let's see. Oh, we got to end with our medical disclaimer. Everything that you heard and see uh, have seen today in today's episode is all for informational purposes only. Please always consult with your physician before moving forward with anything that we discussed today. That said, Doc, we will see you very soon. And everyone else, thank you so much for joining us. Have a great one. Thank you, Karen. 